Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining Dorsey Ross on this episode of The Dorsey Ross Show. In this episode, Dorsey interviews another special guest that will give you hope and inspire you. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Dorsey Ross Podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine joining us on the show. She and I met at Barrow's Assembly Garden, Queens, New York, which was my home church until I moved to Pennsylvania. And she has a very interesting and very, you know, story that she would love to share with us today. And surely I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Hi, Dorsey. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share. I'm very excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'd love to uh, have you. Thank you. And I, I definitely, I'm very excited. I actually texted you that I was a little nervous because every time I share my testimony and what God has done, there's just this this feeling over me where I, I know I'm supposed to, to just share with all of my heart. And and it makes me nervous all the time. <laughs> I just start I just start getting nervous, but thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I'm very excited to share and um just grateful with God that, you know, we have this day and God's given me this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So Shirley, tell us a little bit about yourself and about who you are. So my name is Shirley. I recently got married and my husband and I are expecting our first baby, a wonderful baby boy. So we thank God for that. Um, I actually met Dorsey in um, church, <laughs> which is Bell Rose, before he abandoned us. No, <laughs> no, but um, I met Dorsey. He's a really good friend of mine, and I'm very excited to share with you guys today. A little about myself. Um, I I usually like to say Jesus found me when I was a teenager. Um, a lot of times people will say I got saved when, but uh, the Lord really revolutionized my life when I was 17 years old. And ever since that time, I've, I've been just trying to stay close to my Lord. He's my best friend, my savior, my everything. And time and time again, he's proved that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And I'm just here to to share a little bit about that and how I started this journey with with just meeting the savior and being changed by his love and grace. Amen. You grew up with a Catholic Christian background and you were telling me that you practiced Tarot cards and you and your your sister was involved in Satanism. How did you get involved with that? So definitely my family. Um, so they're um, Guatemalan. So in the I'd like to say perspective of Catholicism I was raised in, there was a lot of um, pagan witchcraft that was brought along from the country of Guatemala. So I was kind of raised with that, like a, a hearing a version of Catholicism with, in Spanish, you would call it Santeria or witchcraft. But as I started going to middle school, um, I started getting involved with the wrong crowds. I did start practicing tarot cards very early on. My sister at this point was in high school, so she was in her in her own journey. And at this point, she got involved with Satanism um, I got familiar with uh, being w- around Wiccans as I was getting older and in middle school. So all of these, which they are satanic things, call it as it is, they, they filled my life. They filled my sister's life. And these are things that even if you don't think will affect your family, it will. 
So as I was in middle school and high school, I just kind of got deeper with this. And depending on the group of friends I had, because as a teenager, I, I would go through these phases, but I was always, always surrounded by darkness, whether it was because of my sister's influence or my friend's influence, or because I had friends that were in gangs or all these um, experiences, I was always, always surrounded with darkness. And my family did their best and the way they knew how to raise us to kind of lead us to a light, but it was never the gospel. So I never had the gospel when I was younger. My sister didn't have the gospel. We had it in a way that was still filled with a lot of paganism, a lot of darkness, a lot of evil, and there was really no way out of it. So I just dragged that on in my youth. And um, it wasn't until I was about 16 years old that I started really feeling how evil and how horrible um, witchcraft was in my life, tarot cards. And it would be something so funny when I was younger um, to share with my friends. I'll say, oh, um, I'll I'll read the tarot cards for you. Or we should practice this. We should do that. Or, you know, I, I would just recommend really horrible things. But not until I was 16 years old. It, it didn't affect me and actually opened my eyes. And I started noticing maybe that dark feeling, maybe the heaviness I'm feeling, maybe that oppression that I'm feeling is because I'm doing this. It's because my friends are doing this. It's because my sister's doing this. So darkness started really just consuming my life. And at some point, um, which I'll share later on, at some point I was suicidal and I actually attempted to take my life because everything was just filling me in this darkness and it felt like there was no way out, but it really started on very early on. And again, I'm not blaming my family and anybody, but it was just when the gospel isn't shared in the way that you can know there's love, you can know there's hope, and you can know there's grace, then it's very difficult, um, whether it's Catholicism or or whatever um, belief your family practices, it's very difficult to kind of um, see that there is a way out of darkness, whether that's Satanism, whether that's being a Wiccan, whether that's Santeria, whether that's voodoo. Um, you know, if the gospel isn't shared from a true heart of uh, whether a mother or father or sister or brother. Um, it's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult to see that darkness. Um, you need to get out of it. So very early on as a child, um, I, I was consumed with things that I should not have even messed around with. And uh, there were serious consequences for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We sometimes definitely need to, when we're in darkness and we're living in darkness, we, you know, there's no, we, we can't see the way out. We can't see that light. We can't see that that there's hope and that there's forgiveness without being, you know, preached to a lot of the time or getting witnessed, witnessed to that, you know, Jesus is that light and that, that, that hope that we need in our lives. Amen, definitely. And also... um there was always a sense of hopelessness in my family. I think I mentioned it before. Um, I'm not too sure, but um, I do have an elder brother. So early on, and again, this is when I was still in middle school, um, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So on top of everything, as a youngster, I'm trying to deal with how my sister's living her life. You know, I'm imitating her. Um, the news that, that was shared with the family that now my eldest brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. So 
everything just piled up on top of each other to me was just darkness. It was just like, why is this even happening? You know, so I'm not sure if I shared that earlier, but um, that was a huge, huge factor in, in my life, especially as a young girl, because you don't understand what's happening. And the only sense that you can make is there's no God. So it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I'm active in voodoo. It doesn't matter if I'm practicing witchcraft. There's no consequences. Right. So you think. But that was a huge factor in my life as a young girl. And um, I just wanted to share that. Sometimes um, as Christians, we don't share these kind of things. And I just wanted to share that because especially lately, now at least, we see a lot of young people um, who are dealing with things in their family or young people dealing with um, schizophrenia themselves or depression. And because we have this label as Christian, it's very hard to talk about it. It's like people still don't want to talk about it. But somewhere out there, there's another young girl who's dealing with these things and getting news from her family that will be walking down the path I did. So that's that's very sad. And I have a very strong desire to share uh, what I went through because of that. You know, and there's hope. And even as a young person, when I heard that those news about my brother, it just rocked my world. And all it did was really make me angry inside and frustrated, which added added more to this this um what it really was, was oppression, but it added more to the, the evil inside of me. You know what I mean? So right. <laughs> it just, it kind of dragged on throughout my life. Um, and um, yeah, it was just another reason for me to say, well, clearly there's no God. <laughs> and I, I would have loved if somebody had shared with me very early on in my middle school days, you know, that Jesus is the truth, the way, the life, and he's the light of the world. It would have, it would have been so amazing, but you know, everything is good in God's time. <laughs> so we'll talk about that after. Amen. Yeah, sometimes we wonder, you know, regardless of what we're going through, you know, we wonder, you know, why does God, why didn't God come, you know, earlier and, and help us and to see us through? And yes, God is there all the time and God is there with us and surrounding us no matter what we go through. And God, you know, loves all of us. He loves everyone, regardless of what we're facing in our life. But sometimes, you know, we sometimes wish that things happened sooner, but sometimes they happen later in life, and we don't understand why those things happen or why it happened later in life until, you know, we see that happening. Definitely. And, you know, you have a powerful story, you know, we just touched on the beginning of it, and we'll get into it more with the next question. You know, what made you, you know, you told me that you were into alcoholism and even a drug addiction at a young age. What made you, or how did you get into that at such a young age? So definitely. And as I shared with you earlier, I, I said, am I going to get arrested for this? <laughs> no, but I was 12 years old, 12, a 12 year old child when I was dealing with alcoholism and drug addiction. I lacked love. I wanted love so badly. And because I was already chasing things such as witchcraft. And I had experience with the Latin King um, gangs as I was younger. 
it just seemed like that was the path to take. I was hanging out the wrong people. I didn't feel loved in my home. I didn't feel loved anywhere. It wasn't that I wasn't receiving love. Now that um, I'm older and I understand it was, I just wasn't sure what I was looking for. And I was looking for Jesus. But I was so empty. By 12 years old, I started with my serious alcohol problem. And I I had help from my family. You know, everybody was trying to help me. Even my own friends were trying to help me. I'm a 12-year-old child. There was just this loneliness in my heart and just a lot of anger. And um, with drugs, um, it started a little after that. Probably I was around 13. It was mainly alcohol when I was 12 years old. But um, yeah, I did get... Um, familiar. I started hanging out with the Latin Kings and um, that played a huge role in my life. I wasn't sure where that was going to lead me to, but drugs and alcohol were the way for me to feel free and feel loved. And I was very angry with myself, very angry with, with who I was, with how I was feeling. And I would see other kids my age so excited with a happy family. And, and you know, it's, it's not what you see, right? But that's, that's how you understand it, especially as a child. And I just couldn't fathom why I felt so lonely. I had a home. I had a family. And I felt so lonely. I felt so angry. I felt so abandoned. And I had no idea that I was looking for Jesus, because I was putting my heart in the wrong things. And I was looking at other kids. I was looking at other preteens. I was looking at other teens, wishing I was them, wishing I had, I had their family, wishing I had um, their experiences. And, and, you know, that's a very ungrateful way of living that, that I was living because my family's, you know, they're fantastic. Thank God for them. But I didn't know I was looking for Jesus. And, and I, now that I look back, I know it was Jesus I was looking for. There was just this huge emptiness in my heart. And for the same, for the same reason that I was already involved with um, just hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, um, you know, I was seeing, I was seeing how in my family there was uh, paganism and a weird understanding of, of what was presented to me as Catholicism. And I, I didn't have the gospel, you know, that's just kind of, mixed in together with everything. And, and, you know, then obviously, as I shared earlier, I started pursuing witchcraft and everything, but it was just this, this feeling of being a 12 year old, so angry and so lonely. And it just, it just stuck with me that for a long time, it was very, it was a very, um, it was a very difficult time in which jealousy consumed me because I wanted to be somewhere else. I wanted to be somebody else. And, you know, I just felt, I, I felt like in my family, um, there wasn't love, but I was really looking for Jesus. And, you know, I took the wrong path for that. So. Right. Did you realize that you were looking for Jesus at that time or did it come later on and, you know, you looking back and saying, hey, I did this because I was looking for because I wanted to, you know, find that light of hope and encouragement. It definitely came later on. I, I would have loved to say right away, I knew I was like for the Lord. No, definitely not. <laughs> it came later on. Again, it was just because I was going so deep in with, with the alcoholism, so deep in with the drugs. I was being exposed to these uh, groups of people that were um, far away from the Lord 
<laughs> you know, I, I would have, I would, I would love to say that I immediately knew it was the Lord I was looking for. Definitely not. It took me years later to realize that. And now I look back and I say that was the emptiness that that little girl was feeling, you know, right. but it came later. Yeah. Definitely. You know, you had told me that your story even includes having dreams of, you know, Christ, what you believe was Christ coming to you and telling you that he is coming soon. You know, what was that like? And why do you think you had those dreams? Yes. So it was absolutely frightening. It was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) So much so that for three years, I was actually taking sleeping pills to go to sleep. I was terrified. I did not want to go to bed. In those dreams, it was very, you know what? I think it was for the same reason that I was involved with all these satanic things that God was already trying to to reach me. He was already probing my heart. So whenever I would have these dreams, the two things that I remember perfectly are the Messiah is coming soon and just the mention of um, Jesus or the Messiah is coming soon or Jesus. It was either or. It was terrifying. It was absolutely frightening. But now, now that I see that, I thank God. Because when you're involved with witchcraft and Satanism, it's no joke. You start seeing things. You start hearing things. You start imagining things. You start just a supernatural experience that you have no business being there. You you do encounter these things. Um, I don't like to get mystic or anything. But if you're involved with these, these satanic practices, even if you're doing tarot cards or witchcraft, and for anyone listening to me, no, it's not okay if you're a Christian and you're doing these things. It's not. Because you're idolizing something that's not God. And you're allowing dark things to enter your life and enter your home and enter your family. So I started having these dreams and they terrified me, but I thank God he started probing me with those dreams because I had to ask myself, well, who was the Messiah and why is he coming and why am I dreaming this? And those questions opened up a whole new journey for me. So I thank God for that. But um, it was, it was horrifying, horrifying, (laughs) absolutely horrifying. The dreams. I was terrified to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Now, you also, um, in your life, you know, especially in your teenage life, and, you know, sometime even later on, you were telling me you were in a relationship with the same sex, you know, female sex. What was, what was that like? And what, you know, what did you, uh, how did you, you know, get involved with that? Mm-hmm, definitely. So, Carrying on um, from my middle school years, which isn't what I'm sharing about now, it's a high school. Um, I started a very promiscuous life. And at this point, it's men. Okay. So I used to go from men to different men to different men seeking to fill the void in my life. And of course, these men that I was involved with, you know, they were alcoholics as well, they were drug addicts as well. So it was just, assume that this is what you do at some point. Um, and I remember I felt this way strongly. I was so disappointed with, with men because, you know, I say, well, this is all I'm experiencing with men. I started, I started liking, um, women and, you know, in high school, at least before it wasn't like it is now. So if you, if you were in high school before, when I used to go to high school and you had a girlfriend, it, it wasn't even acceptable. You know what I'm saying? Like now, but it really came from a place of disappointment in men 
And of course, the way I was viewing men um, affected how I was even viewing God. So I, I did. Um, I started going out with uh, women. I had girlfriends. Um, I lived like that for a long time, but it mainly came from this root of anger inside of me, anger and disappointment with just all the, the men that I had been with. And again, I'm sharing, I was a very promiscuous person. So everything added on to the anger I was already having from when I was a young girl. I started dating women and to my disappointment, voila, (laughs) humanity. So I was disappointed with women too, (laughs) you know? So it was really just a lot of emotional turmoil and at least when I was going to high school, again, like I'm sharing, very different than what it is now. It was not accepted by anybody, if you liked women. It was not acceptable. It was not okay. It was not normal. So when I was in high school and I was presented with the gospel for the first time in my life by a person who did not judge me, by a person who never said you know, you shouldn't know Jesus because, or you're nasty because you like women. When I was shared, when the person shared the gospel to me, it changed my life for that same reason. And it's a totally different experience now, I think for a lot of young people, because um, before it it was very uh, dangerous for you to share these things that you had a girlfriend when you were a woman or that you were gay. It was a totally different experience than how it is now. And the identity crisis that I, I was going through was not something you can open about. You, you weren't just allowed to open up with everybody. Things are a little different now, you know, but um, the same thing. It's the same thing. Identity, identity, identity. If you do not know who you are, if you do not know that there is a God, and if you do not know that you can be a child of God, you don't know your identity. And it will dramatically change your life and you will feel hopeless. You have no purpose. You feel like you have no meaning. It's a depression because you can't even find yourself. So when this person, and I just... I won't include their name um, here, at least, when they shared the gospel with me for the first time in high school, knowing I had a girlfriend. I was stunned, shocked, and for that reason that I was not judged, but I was invited into a Christian club and presented with the gospel and told that Jesus loves me. I I was floored. I had to go find out what was happening. I had to go find out who is this Jesus because somebody approached me with love and not judgment. And they told me Jesus loves me. And, and there I was thinking, okay, first of all, who are you? (laughs) Second of all, what do you mean? Jesus loves me. And third of all, who is Jesus? And it floored me. Definitely. Yeah. That's amazing that you got that, you know, invite to that Christian club because obviously that totally, you know, changed your life. And, you know, especially to what you are doing now. And we know that God works in amazing ways. Yeah, so I just wanted to share 
um, that encounter that I had as a teenage girl, getting invited to a Christian club. I want to encourage if there's any young people listening right now, it matters what you do and how you speak and who you speak to. If you're a young person and you're in college or high school and you're listening to this podcast and you're afraid of inviting people to the Christian club because you don't want to get judged, you don't know how you're going to impact their life. And if you have a heart to, to show people the love of God and bring them to the feet of our Lord, go for it. Do it even if you're afraid, if you're nervous, because you don't know whose life you're going to change. And, and God is the Savior. We don't save people. We share the love of God. We share the gospel. And, and God does the rest. And I just wanted to share this because it's heavy on my heart, especially with our young people now who don't know who they are or their identity. And they're struggling with homosexuality. I wanted to share, you know, go for it because it's not a problem of you. It's not a problem of them. It's not a problem of these people or that people group. It's we are sinners and we need Jesus we need the love of God. It's never they, you, or them. It's us as a people. So I just wanted to share that for any young person listening to me. Do it. Invite people to the Christian clubs. Share the gospel. Share a verse. Pray for pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Don't be afraid, and you will change people's lives. It's in God's hands, but do it afraid. I just wanted to share that with any young person listening to me. Don't be afraid, because you never know whose life you're going to totally revolutionize. Right. When that person invited you to that Christian club, what made you say, yes, I'll come? Was it just her, um, her showing you the love of Christ at that time? Definitely. The first thing I can remember was her boldness. She didn't know me. I did not know her. A total stranger asking you to join them to a Christian club and telling you that Jesus loves you. Seeing how you dress, seeing that you have a girlfriend, seeing that you are not exactly somebody that can be approached, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a lesbian, a total stranger, seeing these things, inviting you to join them for the Christian club is absolutely incredible. It's just phenomenal. The boldness, the fearlessness that it took, and the love, the love. All she said that really changed me was Jesus loves you. So many emotions flooded me. I had so many thoughts. The first thing was, who are you and why are you speaking to me? Why, why out of everybody in this whole building, why me? And you're telling me Jesus loves me. And you see that I'm dating a girl. Why me? You know, it's the boldness that she had that just gripped me right away because nobody had done that to me. And nobody had even came close to telling me that Jesus loved me, seeing who I was. So that boldness, that courage, that fearlessness, it gripped me. And I I just had to see what this was all about because the only thing I kept thinking was, there's a million people in this building. Why me? And because of that, you are now in a church with multiple nations helping to the worship. What has that experience been like? 
<laughs> it's been wonderful. It it really has been wonderful. Um, I, I'm truly grateful. I'm so excited that I'm just so excited. I love to see people worshiping the Lord. And, you know, any anything I get a chance to serve in, whether it's serving apple juice to kids for a kid's church or or cleaning a toilet for the church, you know, I don't, I don't care. I, I'll do it gladly. But being on the worship team is just, I've seen so many beautiful things. I've seen people's lives changed, even on the team itself. As, you know, we share with each other as members and we get to see how the congregation is growing. It's something beautiful. It's fantastic. And I'm grateful. But it's also very um it's, it's very, I, I'm going to use the word serious for lack of words. It's a very serious commitment because you are not only supporting the, the pastors, the leaders of the church, praying for the worship team. You're praying for the congregation, but you're praying to see God move. And it is spiritual warfare because you just don't stand up there and look pretty because you want to be seen by people. Absolutely not. You go there and you know it's a serious commitment. It's, it's, it's almost like a covenant that you have with the Lord. And you know, if you're going to be representing and you're going to be a leader, not only do you have to live by, you have to be an example, but you have to believe what you're singing. You have to believe what you're playing on the keyboard. Well, I play the keyboard. So if I'm, if I'm playing a song that's singing about God's great, you know, he's great, he's mighty, he's powerful. And I'm walking in fear and I'm walking in, in lack of trust you know, something doesn't add up. So you have to believe what you're singing, what you're playing, whether it's the piano, the guitar, the bass, whatever you're doing, singing. If, if, if you're even praying together in a group, I always say, why do you believe what you believe in? So being on the worship team has, I'm very grateful. It has shown me a lot. It's taught me a lot. And it's definitely helped me to understand that our relationship with the Lord is so important. And what we do in private is going to be shown. It's going to be displayed in public and there's no faking it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something I've learned. Definitely. There was, you know, there was actually a time when I felt very distant from the Lord. Um, this was a couple of years ago and I actually spoke to the pastors and the leaders and I said, Hey, I'm going to take some time off from being on the team because I just don't feel right in my spirit. And I did that, you know, do, you know, was it necessary to do that? Well, I did that because I was very convicted that if I felt far away from the Lord and I felt like I wasn't doing what he was telling me to do, or I was in disobedience, I can't stand up there and lead people. Absolutely not. I'm not that kind of person. If I know something's wrong and it's wrong, I'm not going to try to lead people. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't like doing that. So I take it very seriously. It's a very serious commitment with God where again, it could be in any, anything, um, whether it's, you work with a children's ministry or, you know, you help with whatever ministry you do or service, do it, do it to, unto the Lord, take it seriously. It's between you and God. And especially if you're in a leadership position, you have to believe you, you have to know why you believe what you believe in and you have to stand strong in your faith you have to stand strong in what you believe in. And, you know, I, I'm not a fan of leading people when I'm not doing it myself. So to me, it's a very serious commitment. I'm so grateful with the Lord for the opportunity. I'm so thankful. And I love seeing the congregation, people of all nations, of all countries, all kinds of languages. It's just, it just, it just energizes me because you know what the Lord said? Go and make disciples of all nations, all nations. 
all nations, literally. There's there's no reason why we should not share the gospel with with a, a certain people group. Absolutely not. So it, it really, it gets me so excited. It pumps me up. I get energized. And I'm just grateful. It's, it's really a beautiful thing to see. You know, Jesus does yeah. not have stereotypes, you know? He, he doesn't have just a, a certain type of people that he loves. He loves us all. And, and seeing that, at least in our church, you know, like um, people just coming from everywhere, different countries, different backgrounds. To me, that's just proof that God is so good. And, you know, again, go and make disciples of all nations. So it, it totally pumps me up. I have no other way of saying it. <laughs> Amen. We all know, well, not all of us know, but, you know, you have different types of hair color sometimes in your hair. You know, the past calls you, you know, pinky or bluey or something something <laughs> like that. A brunette. Uh, you know, redhead, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, what have been some of the, you know, comments from the people in the church, or maybe even new people in the church, have they always been, you know, maybe maybe the word could be accepting? What has been, that been like? <laughs> so it's, it's definitely been an interesting experience because the young people will always love it. They're like, wow, that's fantastic. I didn't know that you could be a Christian and have stretched earlobes and a pierced nose and green hair. I say, why not? And then, you know, older folks, sometimes they'll say, you know, in a nice way, and I get it, you know, with, with love, with love, they will um, recommend that um, I stop dyeing my hair this color, or maybe I should take out my piercings. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, wear black so much or anything, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, and I appreciate it. I really do. You know, I'm, I'm grateful when it's done in love, <laughs> but I, I've had comments where it's, um, hey, you're a Christian, your daughter of God, you shouldn't look like that. Or your hair shouldn't be this color. Or or your hair shouldn't be short, right? So um, at least now, I'm, I'm pregnant now, so I haven't dyed my hair and I've grown out my hair a little bit. But I, I had a pixie haircut for years, you know, a shaved pixie haircut. And um, I would always hear that comment from people, hey, you're a daughter of God. I don't think you should have short hair like that, you know? And you know, I always, I always uh, appreciated it, but I said, you know, if God's not hindering me <laughs> from, from having a relationship with him, why should I let people hinder me? You know, and it's not appearances. The Lord looks at the heart, you know? Amen. So, so that's been my experience. I've had both uh, the uh, younger people or some older folk, you never know, you know, um, that say, hey, that's, that's fantastic. You know, I, I love what you're doing. And, and yeah, so the pastor calls me pinky or brunette or a smurf or <laughs> I, I can't remember all the names he calls me according to whatever feeling I'm feeling. So I want to dye my hair green. I'll have it green. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've had that a uh, good response and then a, a I don't want to say a bad response, but I've had a response where people um, have recommended <laughs> that I look a certain way to follow Jesus, which is, you know, it's it's funny to me because, again, like I said, if, if Christ accepts me and he's not hindering me because I dyed my hair purple, um, why am I going to let somebody else hinder me, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
So as we get ready to close today, what encouragement would you give to those that are listening today that may have experienced or are still experiencing similar situations that you did? The first thing is that there is hope and there is grace. A lot of times people will even ask me um, when they want to share what they're going through in their life. Oh, you know, I don't want you to look at me in a different way. I just want you to pray for me. And the first thing I say is, listen, nothing you say is going to shock me because I've been there. I've done that. And guess what? God is real and God is love and God gives grace and God changes our lives. Whether you're listening and you're dealing with a pornography addiction or promiscuity or you're not even a Christian, you just so happen to stumble upon the podcast or you're or you're a Christian and you're dealing with homosexuality. Give it to God. Seek God. And know that there's hope. If you're filled with anger, if you're filled with fury, or you're filled with sadness, you're, you're feeling depressed, you feel like there's no way out, that you can't even breathe, give it to God. You can't. There's nothing you can say that will burden him. There's nothing that you will say that he can't handle. And there's nothing that you will say that will turn him away in disgust from you because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for you. He took sin and sin is sin. Don't, don't give yourself um, classifications of a, or, or some type of hierarchy on, on, well, my sin is bigger and he'll never forgive me. Jesus died for you and rose again and is alive and is coming back. There is hope and God is real and God loves you. And again, regardless of what you're dealing with, whether it's a drug addiction that you're keeping in secret or you're secretly struggling with alcoholism or pornography or homosexuality, or you just don't even know if you're still a Christian or you don't know if you even want to still be a Christian, give it to God. Give it to God. Don't be afraid. And instead of telling people, go and tell him. Sometimes we make a mistake that we tell people our anger. We we give them our anger. We give them our sadness. No person, and I will say that again, no person will, no one has an answer for you but Jesus. The only way someone can encourage you is if they're telling you the word of the of the Lord, if it's coming from the Bible. But there's nobody that has an answer for you. It's God himself. And again, just because I specifically dealt with homosexuality for years, God loves you. He's not disgusted by you. You're you're not repulsive to him. You're not dirty. And first of all, you don't shower if you're already clean. You know what I'm saying? God didn't come to call the healthy, but the sick. That's what he does. He's our, he's our best friend, our doctor, our everything. And once you recognize all the things that God can can forgive you of because he already did it on the cross and you receive it, there's so much freedom and there's so much joy and there's life. And let's say you're, you're even having a marital problem. Give it to God. Before you run to people and start telling everybody how you feel, what you're thinking, give it to God. Give it to God first. Sometimes we deal with things secretly. Sometimes we struggle or we don't even know if we 
have faith or we have days where we say, do I even know God? Why am I even here? Why am I on this planet? What purpose do I have? Give it to God before you go to anybody else. Because once you tell people, first of all, you don't know who you're telling. You don't know what they're going to do with this information you're confiding in them with. Just give it to the Lord. Open the Bible. And we're, we have so much, you know, we're so blessed. We have access to the internet. We have access to our phones. You could get the Bible app. You don't even need a physical Bible. You could use your physical Bible. But just go to the Word and go to God. And if you don't understand the Bible, you're reading it, but you don't really understand what it says, that's okay. You don't have to understand right away. It's a lifetime. You have a lifetime with God. And I want to just add this, that sanctification is a process. What the heck does that mean? (laughs) It means you're not going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be a totally new person, totally different, totally transformed, boom, right away. No, it's a lifetime with walking with Jesus, a lifetime of learning from him, a lifetime of being loved by him. So my encouragement is don't also don't beat yourself up, you know, give it to God, go to God, seek him. And if you don't understand the Bible, that's okay. You have a lifetime to inquire of the Lord, to read the Bible, to understand it, to study. The thing that you should be focused on right now is, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? Or did you have a relationship with him? That's what matters right now, a relationship with Jesus. Everything else will come in its time. And again, if you were like me, I was a teen. And when I finally heard the gospel, I accepted Christ into my heart and my life. I was still struggling with homosexuality. It didn't go away the next day. I was still struggling with wanting to drink. I wasn't drinking. I still had the desire to. I wasn't dating women anymore. I still had the desire to sometimes. Don't beat yourself up. If you're in Christ, there's now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not going to wake up and be totally different, have no temptations the next day. It's okay. But be encouraged because God is faithful, God is real, God is hope, and he's the truth, the way, and the life. And again, I'm going to just stress it again. Before you go to another person, go to God. And that's my encouragement. Go to God. Go to God. Go to God. Amen. And, you know, just to, um, just to say a little bit about what Shirley was talking about, you know, I'm I'm a pastor, you know, and I deal with things in my own life. I deal with things I say and I do and I act on that's not always a good thing. And God convicts me of those things and I have to go to him and say, God, you know, forgive me for what I've said and what I've done. And, you know, like Shirley said, sanctification is a, you know, a lifelong process that we have to work on. No one's going to be perfect. No one is perfect. The only one that has been perfect was Christ living on this earth. So no one, you know, on this earth today is living without sin. We all live with sin in our lives. So, Shirley, thank you for joining us on this podcast today. I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. No, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I love to share um, my journey, you know, and um, I'm excited. And again, I'm, I'm very grateful because I don't know and you don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. 
thank you so exactly. much because this is an opportunity. You don't know if, if someone's going to listen to it who's, who's exactly struggling with something I said right. or, or, but, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for allowing me to share. I'm a bit of a nervous uh, person, <laughs> but uh, thank you for allowing me to just share uh, with everybody, you know, and, and I'm very grateful with God. I'm very grateful with God. Thank you so much. Amen. Well, guys, thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Dorsey Rose Show. I hope you appreciate listening to this and hope you share it and hope you, you know, support this ministry and support this podcast. And guys, until next time, have a great day. God bless. Thank you again for joining Dorsey Ross on this episode of the Dorsey Ross Show. Please like, share, and tell others about the show. Also, please check out the other podcast episodes. And if you would like, donate to this podcast and buy Dorsey a coffee. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.